Our latest small voice features fishy music, celebrating 25 years of catchy tunes and positive lyrics, just like this. Every word you say, every game you play, every silly face, every single place, you can build up. One, two, three, four, five, or you can tear down. Sisters and brothers, build up one another, build up. I came in in the morning and I log in, put the tunes on. You suddenly see, like, there are dinner ladies suddenly dancing about with a brush sweeping the floor. There's a janitor who passes through and he thinks he's a wonderful singer. So he's like ten times louder than everybody else, giving it loudy, but to the words of a fishy song. And then you've got the lady that comes in purely for breakfast club and she greets everybody with, it's going to be a good day, it's going to be a good day and the thumbs are up, you know. And you see children coming in and they're a wee bit, and you see staff coming in. They're a wee bit down, you can see them walking slowly. And then they maybe stop for a wee conversation. And subconsciously this music's going in somewhere and then all of a sudden they're skipping along a corridor. That's primary school teacher Linda from Glasgow. And we'll hear more about how her pupils respond to the tunes and why she's such an advocate for fishy music. I just wish my primary school had been like that. We're also going to hear from the Chair of the Trustees, John Cross, and musician Suzanne Butler. But first, the man who started it all, Stephen Fishbacher. It started up in 1998 as a charity, and it was me and my guitar working in a church in Edinburgh, and this was a kind of a half-time thing. Um, And it just kind of sprouted out of connection with schools and with churches, and before we knew it, I was full time and Suzanne joined me and we were working in lots and lots of schools and the whole kind of thing at that time was the whole connection between everyday life and God. So that was the sort of thing and eventually we evolved much more into a kind of educational health and well-being organisation. This is your your 25th anniversary, is that a big shock for you? It has come round rather quickly. I think because it's been so much fun it's gone by quickly. It's been a lot of fun. It's been hard work and difficult at some points, but we get to sing with children, we get to have fun with them, and we get to write songs and do music, so it doesn't get much better than that. You've still got the the same enthusiasm as you had perhaps all those years ago. Almost more, actually. I think as I get older and as I see, I don't think I'll ever ever cross the finishing line, (laughs) but um, I'd like to be doing this for several years, but I think... I think with COVID coming and not being able to sing for two years, being told it's bad for you, coming back to singing with kids was just an absolute joy. Yeah, it was almost like rediscovering food again. You'd been doing all these kind of podcasts and these on- online concerts and, did, and there was no kids there. And suddenly we're in a playground with 300 children singing the song and there were teachers with tears running down their faces. It was absolutely amazing. And I never tire of hearing stories of children who find some hope and healing and, and transformation through singing the songs and listening to them. 
is that your your intention then really that it would be not just singing songs but that it would go further than that that's the whole point of fishy music um if it was just about singing the songs i would have given up years ago um but i think it's taken a number of years i think back in the early years i kind of knew that something was working but i didn't know what it was and i think now we've done we've done quite a bit of research into the actual effect and we've looked at a lot of articles we've chatted with people who are kind of in the field of research and music well we did a survey about five years ago amongst about 350 400 young adults who'd experienced fishy music as a child it's a very encouraging document and actually it it doesn't sound like a very academic thing but basically it was called fishy music makes me happy and that's what young people, 25, 26, 27, were saying about 15, 20 years ago when they were singing the songs. But they talked about how it influenced their self-esteem, their resilience, their confidence, and then for those in the church, like in their faith as well. So it was great, along with the letters and emails and the people who told us you know, the effect of it, to actually have 350, 375 young adults saying, this stuff's going to last us all, you know, a lifetime. Suzanne, what brought you into fishy music? Well, um, I was 17 and I was hanging around a little Christian arts festival called Carberry Festival. And uh, this guy showed up who'd been booked to lead family worship over the course of the week. And that was Stephen Fishbacker. And at that point, fishy music hadn't really begun yet. It was just beginning to find his feet with writing for children and families but I was around, I was a very young musician at that point, but keen to join in and get to know people and just to play and sing as much as I could. And he's always had a very open spirit and was quite happy for me to just hop up and join the band and get involved. So that was our first meeting. And then a couple of years later, he was back at Carberry Festival and we began to talk a bit more about that at that point, about whether I might join in a bit more regularly. But yeah, it was it was just a chance meeting really and... So on it's gone. John Cross is the chair of the Board of Trustees. How did that happen? Stephen Fishbacker, who's the, the founder of Fishy Music, uh, used to work for Scripture Union probably about 30 years ago. And at that time, I was involved with Scripture Union on the schools committee and Stephen was a, a worker that I got to know at that time. I think we were in fact on a Scripture Union family holiday where he was there with his family and we were there. So I got to know him then and was quite interested when he left Scripture Union to start up Fishy Music. Shortly after that, we met again a number of times at the Carberry Festival when he would be there singing and uh, entertaining uh, the children. And I reckoned that what he was doing was uh, was a very good thing, tuning into children's emotions and uh, spiritual well-being. And so uh, we've kept in touch, we've supported them over the years, occasionally going to, uh, to concerts. So that was how I first, um, you know, was aware of fishy music. Our children listened to, uh, to fishy music, tapes in the car as we were going places and, uh, and so on. But as the children grew up, then we had much less contact uh, with them, didn't hear them uh, quite so often. Until about the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020, I got a phone call 
out of the blue from Stephen saying that uh, Fishy Music has a board of directors and the chairperson was about to retire and they were looking for somebody to take over as chair of the, the trustees of Fishy Music. Would I be interested? So I had a long chat with Stephen and pointed out that a lot of the things the Fishy Board are involved in to do with business, to do with charity law, uh, it's not really my scene. I'm a retired school teacher. I'm also not particularly musical myself. But he assured me that, you know, as long as I could chair meetings then other people would deal with the, uh, that sort of detail. And so in March 2020, I became chairperson of Fishy Music. No sooner had I taken over as chair of Fishy Music, then came COVID and the first lockdown, which meant no singing in schools. Uh, and of course, Fishy Music is all predicated on going into schools and singing in schools. That couldn't happen. But fortunately, the Fishy Music staff are uh, very resourceful. And, you know, they didn't just sort of say, oh, well, that's us, we'll be doing nothing for the next while. They set up online weekly concerts to produce these programs on YouTube, which a lot of children watched. But certainly during the, the first year or so, <laughs> when I was chairperson, um, there was a lot of uh, meetings every time there was a new government directive to think, oh, what are we going to do now? How are we going to operate? Covid and lockdown. John makes it sound straightforward, but how did the fishy team manage to get through that time? Singing had gone from being this universally beneficial thing to something that could actually, in some cases, kill you. Can't sing, bad for your health, we're never doing that. It was just really hard and to be able to be separated from each other for such a long time. So we had a a few weeks of kind of of wobbling and then we got ourselves together and we got on board with Zoom like everyone else got our team together that way and thought right what are we going to do we can't meet to sing with people that's basically our whole thing so we thought we just have to adapt and how can we still connect with children and families and schools while we're all at home so we just embraced technology and had a really steep learning curve and we we worked out how we could still offer a kind of online assembly um that people could watch when they wanted and they could stream it into their school teams meetings or they could watch it at home with their family and really just try to offer as much as we could online and we were amazed by the take up for that I mean we had many many thousands of people every week both live streaming and then watching again the content and just taking a bit of comfort from singing at home even though they couldn't sing with their friends and I think the encouragement we got from people all over Britain joining in really helped keep us going because we had our low moments as well like everybody did but there was a sense that music was still connecting people even though we were you know I was in my kitchen and Margaret was in her living room and Stephen was in his downstairs lounge and we're all filming each other and you know filming ourselves and I mean it was the most ridiculous shenanigans with phones and microphones and cameras and then um, my husband Sandy who's a videographer did a good job of kind of cutting things together and making it seem as if we were in a room even though we weren't so it was challenging but really worthwhile I think and that was all we could offer at the time. We need to find a way to keep the 
And what about the schools during COVID? Back to Linda. And by the way, it's playtime outside. Children were coming into school every day and we just picked two or three members of staff who came into school continuously. So the children that we had, we had from the beginning right through and that had a massive impact on relationships because you had children coming in each day and you had no idea if you were going to see them tomorrow, if they were going to see you. And what became really important to me was that when they were in school, they felt safe, but they also had a place to share and they had a sense of fun and a sense of achievement for that day. So I used to start the day by by putting fishy tunes on in the dining hall and the children came in at all different times so they knew that when they came in there would be wee games set up but also in the background was the music and I had heard different conversations going on between children one day I heard two wee boys having a conversation about how one was really worried about his granddad who wasn't well and had COVID and the other wee lad put his arm round him and said come on we'll go down to the dining hall the tunes will be on we'll have a wee dance about and you'll feel better and that kind of made me then start thinking about the actual impact that these songs were having on children and that grew throughout COVID but One of my main things was the children had to have fun on that day and we were trying to be active as well but it was hard to be active because they weren't allowed to be together so you couldn't like play team games. Everything you went to do was like, you can't do that. So I ended up setting up a big assault course which the children did one-to-one, so one had to finish and then it got all wiped down before the next one actually got on. We were trying to beat our previous score, but we didn't do it to a time. We did it to, we need to find a way to keep the blues away. And the conversations then became, I finished that on blues, or I only got to away today, I need to get to blues tomorrow. And then all this conversation started around songs that just became a part of us all through COVID times. So you had the the whole thing of children feeling safe to talk about their emotions. You had the whole thing about them being active, the sense of fun, the sense of safety. But it's also not the first time I've sat in a huge dining hall with one child and listen to bad times won't last forever and the child asking you, please hold me. So I think it's taken all these years to actually work out that this is something transformational, using the power of music and song that we all know and love, but actually intentionally using it, focused on confidence and expressing difficult emotions and looking at family and, and creativity and loss and grief and things of like that as well. So, Pretty heavy stuff for young people to be getting used to. Yes, yes it is. But I think, I think the whole thing about um, singing and songwriting is that a song can hold that. And I think as the years have gone on, we've actually come to trust in the process 
we do a lot of songwriting with children and anything from changing class and feeling a bit kind of difficult to one of their classmates has been murdered. That was an absolute ultimate songwriting thing. But somehow these kids brought the feelings around that, put it in a song, and and the mother of the child who'd, who'd been murdered actually said this is something that's had you know, quite a healing effect. I think through hearing many, many stories from young people, it's kind of shown us that this is much more than a fluffy thing. This is kind of powerful stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's not it's not that fishy music is is way better than everything else, but I think it's actually intentionally using the power of music and songs and songwriting, along with some quite focused, okay, we're going to be looking at loss and grief, and we have a strong emphasis on a sort of child-centred approach where, where we go from where the child's at. And I think that's where all our songs and all our workshops and concerts and things like that, they kind of start off with the child rather than come to us. And and I think that's part of the secret of unlocking some of the difficult stuff and celebrating the great stuff as well. I couldn't do this if I wasn't around children. I mean, it's interesting. I just have a wee grandson just in the last year and just being around him and seeing how he reacts to life and things like that, just all sorts of ideas gonna come up. And when I'm with him, I sing a wee bit. I just sort of see what he responds to. He's only 11 months old. Being around children is the is the main driving force. And most of the songs come out of my experience with children and what they're facing. So like back in the late 90s, we asked a bunch of teachers what were the issues in primary schools? And it was self-esteem and bullying. These are the things that come up. So, I mean, things haven't changed much, you know, over the years, maybe different terms. But So that was a big driving force. And I think as well, my own experience of loss and grief, um, of losing uh, my first wife, and the experience of songs and music in that process of, that was my way through. So I was expressing all sorts of stuff there was an album we wrote called Just Imagine. It kind of captured that that time, and a lot of people, you know, who've been through similar stuff, find it really helpful. And my faith as well has a big part in this. Just children are amazing, and our stars can be stronger, and blah blah blah. Stuff. <laughs> I suppose that gives you a very positive outlook. Are you a positive person? I think in some ways I am. But I know about pain as well. So I think I think my own experience of not being very happy at school or some of the struggles I've had in the past, you know, often it's the it's the pain that drives you on rather than oh the whole world's rosy. But I also do think there's fantastic things in the world to celebrate. So I think what we've always tried to do is to celebrate the good stuff and to unpack some of the bad stuff, the tough stuff, uncomfortable stuff. I didn't see a lot of that happening in children's music. Children being allowed or given the space to be able to say, this hurts, and to be able to hold that in a way. So that's what we've tried to do. John, has Fishy helped? Yes. And I say yes with confidence because quite regularly, parents of children will contact the Fishy office to say thank you for, for this song. My son, my daughter was in a bad place and somehow the, this song has, has helped them. That happens quite a lot. And obviously, if that's a 
few folks who are contacting Fishy with that. There must be lots of others for whom the songs will have had an effect, but people won't take the time to find out where the song came from and contact them. So I'm fairly confident that, yes, they do have an effect. And if they didn't, I don't think so many school teachers would be using fishy music in their classrooms the way that they do. They understand how children work. They understand uh, what helps children. And they're very keen. Many school teachers will use uh, fishy songs in their classrooms. We were in a, a Basketball Cup final and it was played at the Emirates Arena. One of the girls, she ran down the court and ran into a boy from the other team and she fell down. And I think she looked over at me and she gave me a wee kind of half smile, threw her arms out wide and she said, what do you do when you fall down? What do you do when you stumble? And then all the wee subs that were round about me all started singing, you get back on your feet and, you know, they started joining in the, the fishy song that she had started in a crowded arena of people. And then I looked over and it was a wee school from Ayrshire that we were playing and all their wee subs joined in the chorus and they started singing stronger and I looked and I thought, wow, and my first thought then was, they know the same songs as us. But then I actually began to realise just how wide-reaching this actually was. It's clear that the songs go a long way beyond the dinner hall and the playground. And for the adults who got to know them years ago, and I have to count myself in that group, it only takes a few bars and I'm singing too. And John has another story. During COVID, we were asked, uh, my wife and I were asked to lead a memorial service in the local care home for 15 people uh, who had died. And uh, it involved different things, placing stones in different places. And we used a, a fishy song, a fishy recording, as we go now from this place as a kind of uh, benediction to the, the service. And so although we think of, uh, of fishy music as songs for children, and that's what they initially are, their use spreads far wider than just to children. Do you have a favourite fishy song? I think my favourite is that one, actually, that we use, a very quiet one. You know, I'm getting old and more into quiet songs these days. That song, which I'm not going to sing, as we go now from this moment, as we leave behind our time together, may we walk with one another, may we help each other on the way. As we go now from this moment, as we go into the future together, may we treasure one another, may we realise how precious we are. As we go now from this moment, as we leave behind our time together, may we walk with one another, may we help each other
I see a big part in my job as looking for good role models for our children. And I think we owe the fishy team a great big debt of gratitude, not only for what they give emotionally, but in terms of role models, we've got the best of the best. And to that, just a great big thank you. May we realise how precious we are. If fishy music is new to you or a memory from any time in the last 25 years, do go and look for it online, from the thought-provoking to the foot-tapping tunes that keep the blues away. There is plenty to find. And special 25th anniversary concerts will be taking place in September, in Glasgow on the 16th, Aberdeen on the 17th, and Edinburgh on the 24th. You'll find a link to all the information on the Small Voice website, smallvoice.org.uk. Finally, my immense thanks to Stephen, Suzanne, John and Linda for all their fishy stories. <laughs>